Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Discussions with the Friend Podcast. It's your boy, Rob. I'm here with my man, Jay. Yes, sir. Today, we got a special guest. His name is Howie Olson. He's a middle school teacher. Uh, he teaches special education. He's also a middle school wrestling coach, a middle school football coach, and a high school wrestling coach. And he's in a couple other programs. I believe he's a leader of some social justice group, something similar to that in, uh, in middle school. So I'll let him talk about that a little bit more. But we're excited to see what we're going to you know, learn from him. And we just want to pick his brain a little bit. See, this my big flex. This is skip the line because it's me next. Why you always capping? Why you playing? This ain't reason. All right, bro. Let's get right into it, man. <clears throat> we always start off asking people how they doing. So how you doing today, bro? Feeling good, bro. Feeling good. Just living it up, trying to trying to do the best in everything I can right now, you know, teaching every day and stuff. Uh, we just started up uh, with uh, middle school football practice today. So it was my first day coaching that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge football player or anything, but it, it's cool coaching. And, uh, you know, I'm an athlete, so I get by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that. Rodney, how you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. I had a decent day today, you know, worked, went to the gym uh did a couple things it's the first of the month type shit you know so yeah mugs had to had to get back in order man i'm drained i'm not gonna lie to y'all but i'm here and uh i'm ready for exciting conversation so that all that's all that really matters howie let's get right into it bro so what exactly do you teach because we introduced you before this we always introduce people before they actually hop on i said you were eighth grade middle school special education teacher is that it Yep. Yep. That's right. All right. Can you discuss that a little bit more? Like what, why did you pick that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm an eighth grade resource teacher. Uh, I got into special education actually. So like, I, I always wanted to like coach wrestling and stuff and, um, coaching, coaching is like, coaching is a lot like teaching. It's just not academic, you know? Um, and some of my coaches, my wrestling coaches were, uh, or one of my special, ed- one of my coaches is, is a special education uh, teacher and, and the other ones are teachers as well. So um, I kind of was just always around it a lot. I always wanted to like make an impact on the youth. Um, and I actually, I, I wanted to be a cop for a while. Thank God I'm not a cop because I <laughs> I am so glad I did not get into that profession. Yeah, it's a lot going on with that right now. No, nope. hey, we might have could have used you though, but I mean, we like you as a teacher. Yeah, yeah. No, that that that's the thing too. I I hope uh, I hope they start getting some better, more qualified cops who have a better perspective on things out there. But yeah, it just ain't for you, man. I'm I'm, I'm glad you're a teacher too, though, but. Like, what made you want to pick special education of all things? Because, I mean, you could you could have taught any grade. You could have taught anything. Why did you choose to go that route? I know you said it's your uh, your coach and all of that, but it had to be a little bit more into that, right? Yeah, you know, I was just always around it a lot. Uh, nothing really big or anything. Um, and, you know, when I was in school, I didn't realize it as much. But uh, I, I was a smart kid and all. But when I got into college, like I realized like how much of a problem I have with my attention span and focusing <laughs> and everything. <laughs> like, and I didn't realize it when I was in high school, cause I was smart and I was that kid who could sleep in class and get by passing all his tests and stuff. Yep. Um, but then I got to college and I'm like, Oh, 
this is the real deal. I have to try now. <laughs> yeah. Right. So now that's that's real. Yeah. And you see that a lot. <laughs> you see that a lot more than you would think. <laughs> yeah, that was that yeah, was me. Honestly. Like in, in in high school, bro. I didn't I just did whatever I gotta do to get by. Like my grades was never like trash, but they could have been significantly better for how smart I am. But I'm just like, yo, right. I'm a dance, I'm gonna play sports. That's it. I don't care. Like school, cool. I test done. That was it. But then you get to college, you like, oh yeah, you gotta strap in now. Like it's it's real now. Man, for real. And like just to piggyback off of that, I remember my first year of uh college, freshman year. I had got a scholarship, all that. So, you know, I'm thinking it's super duper sweet. Like y'all <laughs> said, high school, high school is super duper easy. I was doing the same thing. You know, I wasn't necessarily sleeping, but shoot, I might as well have been like, you know, I was looping off, but it's like, I was just, you know, smart. You know, I was able to take tests or whatever. The first semester I had like a 2.997, almost lost the scholarship because I was missing classes. I was you know, I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't studying. I had never studied for real until honestly, like sophomore year. I, I don't think I studied that whole freshman year just off the sheer fact of like, I never had to really like put in the time or the effort. So, I mean, that's a good point you bring up. So I feel like that, I think like in high school, it needs to be a, more of an emphasis on really like preparation for college if you want to do that. That's true. And then, you know, more like like real world, like life stuff, like how to operate like time management. I wish they had like a class on like time management or like, you know, organization, like something that we could really use like in everyday life, sports, whatever it may be, business, you know, finance, all types of stuff. Do you, do you think that should be taught in like the lower level grades? Like let's say middle school, middle school. Yeah. I I think so too. Cause I think that's when you really can grasp. Well, I mean, you can speak more on that, but I I think that would be the right time for something like that. Yeah, I, I feel like there isn't a lot of instruction on organization. And then the kids who aren't organized already, like they don't get any interventions or anything for their organization typically until like it really goes downhill. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's 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 sad. <clears throat> Damn, I'm losing my voice, man. Sorry, people. That's uh <laughs> that's Las Vegas. So <clears throat> this man out here parking. Yeah, you know, you, you got, you know, you, you got to work hard, you know, party hard as well. That's important. That's, that's true. Man, I'm, I'm so married. sick. I, I miss my Vegas beat because of COVID. Bro, I've that's, never been to Vegas. It's, it's pretty too, dope. Man. This is my first time, man. It's, it's pretty dope. It wasn't bad. Uh, I, I think it could have been better. I mean, it was a little cold. It was like. yeah, It's cold? It was like 55, bro, but windy 55. So it's like you had to have a sweater every day at night. And you know you ain't really uh, trying to go uh, out during the day because it's like, nah, exactly. I ain't trying to do that. What you, yeah, what you, all right. It was fun, right. though, bro. I think y'all you said you seen. You said what? You seen a fake Michael Jackson? Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, bro. That was a joke, bro. If you, the only thing he did cold was the moonwalk. Everything else was terrible. He was begging for bread. And that's how you know you garbage when you got to beg. If you Michael Jackson and you faking Michael Jackson, people always give you money. Come on now. Bro, I seen that on Snap. I was dead. Anyways, though, Howie, bro. To hop back into it, bro. Wrestling. How How is that? Talk, talk. Don't, don't even tell us about, like, wrestling as a, as a coach. Tell us about wrestling as your career because we know you did that in 
college and you did that in high school. How yeah, we that? need. I need the full backstory, man. I need everything. <laughs> yeah, everything. Bro. So I wrestled since first grade, so it's always been Jesus. a big part of my life. And, um, you know, I, I I didn't hang out with the greatest kids either, but I was always able to like separate myself from getting in trouble because of wrestling. Um, I, I was a, it was weird because I was like the straight edge who hung out with some pretty bad kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. We know, <laughs> but yeah. So it, it kept me in line and you know, I don't know if I would have made it through school without wrestling. I'm not going to lie. Like I probably wouldn't have had any drive for college. Like school was not my thing, bro. It really wasn't. And you know, I, I got into college and I was struggling too. Um, I actually looked back at my high school grades just not too long ago, just to, to uh, kind of laugh about it. And I was like, bro, I was such a mediocre. <laughs> and I was like, I was like in honors classes too, like, but just getting super average grades. Like my GPA was like a 2.3 or something. It was, it was, it was bad in high school. Um, you weren't taking it serious. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, so starting off college, like being a student athlete is rough. That's, that stuff is rough. Um, and I feel like when I started off, I wasn't taking school as seriously. Granted, when I first had, uh, started going to college, I was going to Harper college. Um, and I was wrestling there and I was supposed to get a apartment out there. And then a whole bunch of stuff happened. And I, I ended up having to commute every day and I had classes five days a week. And my first, I think, I think it was like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I had 8 a.m.s. Oh, no. Yeah. There there was a whole bunch of construction on the highway too. So I was getting up at like 5 a.m. to go to these classes. And I just was not taking school serious at that point. I had, that first semester of college, I think I had like a 2.6 or something. It might've even been lower. And we had like mandatory study hall hours too. So like I was, I was getting a bulk of my stuff done in there and still doing terrible, <laughs> Dang. but it was hard. Um, then, then I, I started taking school a lot more seriously. Uh, by the time I actually had gotten into the education program and I, our, I went to Elmer's College and I wrestled there too, and that that's where I transferred out of community college too. And their education program is really tough. Like there, there was a lot of times where I didn't think I could be a teacher because of how rough it was and how hard school was for me. And now I'm a teacher, and that's amazing. Yeah, build character, man. Proud of you, really- man. <laughs> So being a student athlete is tough. Um, wrestling, wrestling is just a brutal sport in general. Um, it, it it really fuels my competitiveness, though. <laughs> that that's to say the least. I'm a super competitive person, not not in like a um, egotistical way or anything. There, right? Yeah, you just you just like slamming people on their neck, bro. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that's all. all. That's all, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. In yeah, wrestling, wrestling was cold. Uh, I wish I could have done more with it, and I wish I had the knowledge I did on a lot of things sooner. Like, just because every little aspect is so important, bro. Like, I wish going going into my senior year of wrestling, um, 
I wasn't cutting as much weight anymore. I knew I wanted to not be draining myself. I was cutting uh, the past three years or the first three years of college wrestling. I was cutting 21 pounds a week to get down oh, to 149. No. Oh, my oh no. Oh, no, no, like, no. Brutal. And I would go and compete and I'd just be drained and feeling awful. So my my senior year of wrestling, I was like, all right, I'm tired of this weight cutting. Like, I, I clearly don't compete to my ability on that stuff. Uh, so I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up some weight classes. I ended up going up to 165 that whole summer. I started lifting hard, starting taking my nutrition seriously and stuff. And that's how I, I, I really, uh, I kind of turned into a little nutrition and weightlifting nerd. Yeah, bro. So, I'll, be, I'll be seeing you in, uh, on Snapchat and in the gym, bro. Yeah, I'll see you. Hey, all three of us, I'll give all three of us our credit, bro. In the gym, we ain't nothing to play with, but. You be on your stuff, Howie. I, I will give yeah, you. Yeah, how are you going crazy? Bro, I used to be so skinny. And that's true. You were. You were. <laughs> Both of y'all. Yeah, God is good, man. You know, but this that's what, you know, hard work does for you. You know what I'm saying? Get really? you right. And that that's that's what I was so thankful for in that last year of wrestling, just dialing down in every aspect and always improving in the little ways you never thought you could improve in. Like, bro, I was so calculated on and, and I'm more calculated now is the funny thing is because it takes a lot of time to learn this stuff. But I was so calculated in how I did everything and how I approached everything. And, bro, I was I, I was weightlifting before every practice, making sure I was getting at least my body weight and protein every day. Um, And I, you know, it regardless of the outcome of my senior year of wrestling, I'm so grateful for that experience because I, I really learned how to just dial it down in so many different ways. That's what's up. Man. I hear you. That's what's up. And speaking of that, well, first I want to say uh shout out to Elmhurst. That's my mom's alma mater. She graduated from there. Oh, uh, real? I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. So shout out to them. Uh, but you were talking a lot about wrestling and just like the skills and the work ethic that you've like built over time. Can you talk about how that really helped you with your career now? Like just how like that same work ethic and like those skills and like you said, focusing on the little things, how that really translated over to like your career path now? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, dialing it down in every way, you know, you can't be good in any career without good self-care and um, you know, making sure I get my sleep every night, making sure my body's feeling good. If you feel good physically and mentally, when you go into the workplace, you're bound to be a better worker. And that's the crazy thing. Like, and, and with the whole weightlifting thing, bro, like I was not a confident person at all. Like, I don't know. I, I would go, I wouldn't say depressive states, but damn near. <laughs> like, yeah, right. I hear you though. A lot of anxiety, like I, I would be shaky, like going up doing stuff. And like my confidence level is so much greater than it was. But just just off of simply weightlifting and dialing it down and seeing progress, and not not even just weightlifting either. It's it's like if you're always doing like these little things that you can be proud of and spend more time doing stuff you can be proud of than stuff that isn't as productive, like you're going to feel better about yourself. Yeah. Respects. Um, 
So, yeah, and just bringing that into the workplace, I mean, being a teacher is, is a hard job. Like, that's 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 a job where a lot of people see burnout, too. And yep. if, if you're taking care of yourself physically and mentally, that's that's going to help you in the long run. Yes. I mean, speaking of speaking of burnout, have you felt that burnout yet? Because I know I used to talk to this girl that was also a teacher and she used to like complain constantly about just how stressful it is based off what she's paying, like what she's getting paid. But also she loves it because, you know, the kids. So it's one of those things where you want to slave for the child, but you also you also want to make sure you can go home and not slave and just relax for yourself. So how do you handle that? Yeah, so self-care is super important as a teacher because of that burnout. Um, I try I try to take take in as much self-care practices as much as possible. Um, I try to not do any work stuff at home. If I'm gonna if I need extra time to do work stuff, then I, I try to just get up early and get get to the school early. Um, which you know it sucks because there's a lot of times where we're working that we're not getting paid for. And on top of already having like a lower salary. Yeah. Um, I I personally haven't experienced a lot of burnout, but it is my first year teaching. So it's a right. lot different for me than another, a lot of other teachers. And not to mention, it's just a hard year for a lot of teachers right yeah. now. So um, luckily I'm really good with technology. <laughs> so that's, that's been helpful for me. Um, but yeah. And like you said, just, you're almost slaving over these kids, but honestly, it, it is really rewarding at the same time. And I, I know that whatever teacher you talk to, that's that's why she keeps doing what she does. Yep. Um, my 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 students are awesome. They literally, they're they're entertaining, bro. Like <laughs> these are some funny kids, and it, it, it's you you don't get shown a ton of appreciation, but you know they appreciate it at the end of the day. Um, so yeah. That's what's up, man. Right. Hold on. I just got to get this off my screen. All right, man. So, can yeah, you... I mean, you, you talk about. Go, go, ahead, ahead, go, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say he talked about COVID and or he talked about how it was a hard year. So I was going to say, like, let's talk about COVID and how it is, you know, for the students and not only, you know, the students, but yourself and teaching it. And just how it's really affected, you know, you being able to teach and uh, especially coming into this. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that I always think about is school right now is hard for all students. And then we have our special education students who really struggle to stare at a computer screen for as long as we are. And I'm, I'm very grateful that our district doesn't have them staring at a screen for eight hours straight. It's really only like four hours of instruction. And then um, at the end of the day, we have something called student support hours. So it's like office hours where my students uh, can come in and get their work done. And without that student support hours, like my students, I feel would be very behind. <laughs> um, having that extra time for them to get that work done and uh, organize everything and know what they got to do is super beneficial. And, you know, a lot of <laughs> starting off the year, nobody wanted to do an optional hour of school. Yeah. <laughs> um, building community with all my students kind of really helped. 
like my, my students are like a little family and they, they actually like enjoy coming in and doing that extra hour to get some work done and socializing a little bit, you know, staying on task as much as you can, but you gotta, you gotta let the kids have some fun with it too. Otherwise they absolutely as involved or engaged in it. Uh, when are you guys supposed to be like going, like everybody going back to school? Is that going to be like Never. another year or? Bro, who Never. knows? Because with vaccines, like who knows when they're fully going to be distributed. So, yeah, that's true. You no, know, we're, we're looking at right now, like we might even start off next year in a hybrid. We just started a hybrid, a hybrid model right now. Um, So it's cool that I get to actually see some of these students' faces. And that's kind of funny because like, I had seen a, a couple of my students in person and like you first see them and you're like, wait a minute, is, is, is that this kid? And then you're like, yeah, it is. Like, yeah, I, that's I, so. <laughs> it's crazy. And then I say hi to them and they're like, who are you? Like, are you stranger. I'm like, no, it's Mr. Olson. Like, it's cool. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, that's so crazy. And they're like, I don't picture you to look like this in person. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's dope, man. That's awesome. So we know you are in. Um, you talked about you're in a social justice group or something like that. Can you explain that a little bit more? I'm a little bit yeah. lost on that. Yeah. So a social justice group. We're just kind of um, basically we we meet like it, it depends. It's, it's like monthly typically, but um, we're trying to, we try to, it, it's almost like a school improvement type thing in the sense of uh, like separating those social inequalities that we have in schools and trying to make it so that every student feels welcome. Um, and, you know, uh, I know, I know what you were, you were going to mention with the, uh, the black history month stuff, like, Bro, all these students are always talking about how you can't just talk about Black History Month for that month. Yes. Like, it should be talked about through the whole year. Like, you can't just do that month and get it out of the way. Like, that's not how it works. And um, the crazy thing is there's, there's so much Black history and other cultures other cultures histories that aren't talked about we only talk about american history and we we kind of um we we put american history on a pedestal regardless of how many mistakes have happened in american history um so yeah we, we basically just try and try and make a better school environment for our students of uh color nice nice uh, another club that I heard you was in was the Gamers Guild. Now, I'm going to say this quick piece. I was in Gamers Guild low-key when I was at Huntley in, like, what? Game like head, sixth or seventh grade. <laughs> hey, but see, like, I I don't, I don't know. I only went because I didn't know what it really was. But see, back then, and maybe you could clear this up because that was, what, over, what, damn near, like, 10 years ago or something. Maybe it's different now. But, like, when I went, it was really, like, card games. So it was, like, Yu-Gi-Oh!, uh, Pokemon, like them type of like magic, like them type of games. But like, I'm sure now it probably encompasses a whole bunch of different more stuff. So could you just talk a little bit about how you got involved with that and just like what there is to do in gamers guild? Yeah. With e-learning, it's definitely weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
right now, honestly, most of the time we play Among Us. <laughs> so, oh wow, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even see. That's how you know I don't play no games. So I have no idea what that is. That's the one on the phone where you gotta try to find out who the uh, killer is. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna have to look that up because I don't know nothing about. I thought, man, that's not like a zombie game or something, bro. <laughs> it's, it's basically like Clue. So, oh, okay. Like, right. Yeah. There's a couple like murderers on this ship and they're killing people off and you got to figure out who the murderers are. That's decent. So y'all play Among Us. Do y'all have any like, well, you said it's e-learner, but like, I'm sure they probably show you have like a catalog of like what, what they could have. Would they have like people playing uh like PS5 or like the Switch, like those type of games? Like, See, honestly, I really don't know because it is my first year and um, right. I haven't gotten to see how Clint Rosette's Gamer Guild really works. Um, but I, I think a lot with board games and stuff too, um, board okay. games, uh, you know, may, maybe we'll have some actual video games or something. I, I know I know when a lot of students, when they think of Gamer's Guild, like they're like, oh, I get to play a bunch of video games. That's what I thought. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's how it kind of was in high school, right? Like, uh, yeah, high school was like that. Yeah, yeah. See, I ain't, I ain't do it in high school. I did it in middle school, but that that's when they were like on the board games, card games wave. Yeah, you was blue, huh? <laughs> I was blue. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, hey, can you um can can you tell us a little bit more of like um what you had to go through to become a teacher, like? What were your struggles just for, you know, people out there that do want to become teachers so they know and how to get over something? Yes. And also, could you tell us about how you got connected with Clint Rosette? Because That's true. Yeah. you could you could have went and talked maybe anywhere. But you know, obviously you're a Clint Rosette alum. So how did that you know, how did that go over? Yeah. Um, so becoming a teacher. Like I said, that that education program was rough. I, I can't speak for other schools, but. At Elmhurst, we we had um, a lot of very good professors who really made you work for it, as as you should, because teaching is not an easy job. Um, I I really had a lot of troubles in school with my focus, and it in like not just my focus, but like organizing my thoughts and putting it together on these big lengthy projects and um. There was there was a lot of struggles there. Um, it it was it was hard. It was it was hard. School was just tough. School was super tough. Being a student athlete at the same time was super tough. Um, really, I I got by it by just dialing down every way I could. Uh, like it's crazy the little things that affect you. Like just the way you eat, bro. Like. It can change your energy levels and yeah. focus, like dialing it down and taking it serious in every way you can. Um, so that's 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 how I got by. Um, I, I I definitely kind of creeped by, like I don't know how through. <laughs> um, hey, you made it, man. So that's all that matters. You made it right and. Honestly, I was kind of traumatized from that experience. Like, bro, I thought because. I had such a hard time in school. That's how teaching was going to be. And I couldn't do it. Mm. And then now I'm here and I feel great about what I'm doing. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. And then uh, what was your question again, Rodney? It was why, why did you pick Clint Rosette? 
Oh, uh, yeah, Rosette. Um, so the principal right now, uh, he, he's actually, he was my math teacher back in the day. So uh, that, that was a nice thing. And it was funny because um, I, I go to the interview and we all know that little, little Howie used to have a mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so, I forgot. <laughs> first thing this man does, there's a picture on me on the wall from middle school with my mohawk. Oh, oh baby, you probably, as soon as you <laughs> walked in there. <laughs> the interview table. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting there. Wow. But despite him doing that, it kind of made me feel really comfortable with that interview. So, and that helped me realize how much I learned too at Elmhurst. Like I killed that interview. Like every question blew it out the water. I felt, and yeah, so I got hired there and, you know, Rosette, Rosetta, it's an awesome school to work at. Um, all, all the teachers and my peers there, they're they're like family and they they all want to help each other and help us all reach our individual goals so that we can support our students um and together so yeah hey so i got i got a quick question so in terms of interviews how how is a teacher interview is it more like based off if you're the right fit personality wise because like they already like have the expectation that you know the education portion or is it more education focused and they're asking you questions like that? Cause I know for like, I'll speak on like software development for my interview, it was literally like technical, 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 technical question after question after question. Then I had to come back again for a personality interview. Then I had to come back again for another personality interview with like even higher ups. So how is that process for you? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is a lot about research-based practices, too. Um, that is a good portion. But, you know, every teacher teaches differently. And your personality is going to play into that. And every little aspect, like, plays into it. Uh, you know, kids notice everything. That's yeah. the crazy thing. So it, it's from everything to what are your behavior expectations to what, what, how are you delivering this content to how are you uh, differentiating for each student? Like every student learns differently. You you got to be able to teach all students, not just the one student that, that learns a specific way. Um, right. It, it, there's, it's um, working with peers too, like being able to have a good relationship with your your peers and uh, who, your coworkers are is so important, especially as like a special education teacher, because I have to work with them to put this paperwork together to find out how we can best support these students. Um, and not only that, I'm pushing into a lot of their classrooms and stuff too. So that's their classroom, not not what I teach under, but I got to learn how to best assist them in their classroom and how we can both put put aside how we want to do things to best support our students. Um, so there's definitely a lot into teaching and there's a lot of different topics that we cover in the interview. Um, but yeah, personality, what you learned in college, it all gets thrown into those interviews. Wow. 
That's real uh, intensive, real comprehensive. It sounds <laughs> like, but I mean, do it should be. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm about to I'm about to spice it up a little bit. No, uh, not right. a teacher question or anything like that. And this is because, man, I'll, I'll give you like a quick backstory on this. I was just on a train, bro, and I don't know, like you know, the train be going by fast. You just look out the window and everything just moving slow. And I, that's when I be thinking deep, like be asking myself the weirdest questions. And I was on a train. And I was like, man, what what is a man? I I I, I couldn't come up with I couldn't come up with a definition of what is a man. I came up with pretty much a definition of what is not a man. So the first thing that I said is, oh, somebody that's soft. That's not a man. Somebody <laughs> uh, instantly, um, somebody who's soft, that's not no man. Somebody who can't raise his kids, that's not no man, blah, blah, blah. But what is an actual man? Like when you guys think about men and what a man is, what do you guys think about? You want me to go first? Go ahead, bro. Well, I mean, a man is a member of the primate genus Homo, especially oh a member goodness. of the species Homo sapiens. Like, Come on, man. Get up out of here. I'm giving you the biological definition. <laughs> like, you asked what a man is. But no, I mean, what a man is to me, uh, I mean, basically just what I've been like taught and kind of like learned myself is just somebody that like provides for themselves. And it's like it, it, it sucks to say that that's what like the basis of being a man is really in society, it seems like. But it feels like as a man, you have to be able to provide for yourself. You have to be able to provide for others. You have to be able to be independent. You have to be able to be strong, you know. That's why when you're young, they don't cry, you know, don't show no kind of emotion or weak emotion, anything like that. You got to be strong. Um, you know, you got to be a hard worker. Um, but I also like I feel like my personal definition is just somebody that's um, like accountable, somebody that's like transparent, like in yeah. tune with themselves. Like and I feel like as I get older and like, you know, go through years and different experiences, more and more I find out like a lot of the stuff that I was taught or, you know, ingrained to think is like manly or even just like, you know, this is what you're supposed to be like. It, it necessarily, that might not be the case. I feel like it's, it has a lot to do with like situations, like, you know, cause like we talked about in the last podcast, like I could change my mind on a drop of a dime and, yeah. you know, people going to say whatever they want to say about me, but if that's how I feel at that time and, you know, I'm, I'm true to myself and, and thinking that then, you know, it shouldn't be no issue. So I feel like as a man, and especially as a black man, you're constantly being like under a microscope, you're constantly looked at, you're constantly judged. So it's like always about like your character, your integrity, and then just like being in tune with yourself. Cause it's like, if you don't have that, you don't got nothing. So. Before you before you even answer, Howie, I gotta gotta ask you a question, Rodney. So if you if you lose your job, are you still considered to be a man? Because you no longer can provide because you have no money. So when it gets to that point, and, and the reason why I'm asking this is because this is what I asked myself. I was on a train, and I'm like, oh, somebody that provides, and I'm like, but like if you lose your job and you no longer can't provide, does that mean that person's not a man anymore? Or? what and then that's when I just went back to the other definition of everything that's not what a man is so just want to hear what you got to think you know what you say on that well I say I mean and this is just speaking for me I know that I would never 
really put myself in a position to where I couldn't provide for myself. Now I get, of course, circumstances and stuff happen, but like, let's say I lost my job tomorrow. I'm not at that point right now, if I lost my job tomorrow, where I couldn't provide myself for myself. I have money saved up. I have resources or whatever, because I thought ahead. So it's like, I would never feel like, but I'm, I'm not saying that to say that I could never like unforeseen circumstances could never happen. Yeah, yeah I know what you could. But you get what I'm saying? Like, I would never put myself in a position like that. But I feel like once you get to a position where you're like broke or whatever, you can't do anything, then that's where I say it really goes to like, what are you about? Like, are you truthful about yourself and your situation? So it's like, as a man, that's where that accountability comes into action. Like, are you going to take credit for this? Are you going to be transparent about your situation? Like you're talking about, there's a problem. I lost my job. All right. I can either sit out here and be a bum or, you know, be depressed, what would, it out. whatever, or I could figure it out. I could go look for another job or I can go, you know, do some work here. And, and as you know, you, you, you can find a way. Yeah. Find so a way I or find like, an excuse. Right. So I feel like that's ultimately like, that's at the bare minimum. What you have to have as a man is just, I'm going to be accountable with my actions and I'm going to do what I have to do to, you know, get to where I want to go. You know, you got to have drive, basically, a work ethic. I feel that. That's actually a good response, bro. I, I see you, man. You got, you got me, you know, thinking, coming to that side a little bit more because I really couldn't figure it out. Howie, what do you think, bro? Bro, I have a hard time with that. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, um, I'm glad it ain't me, man. Because, you know, I always grew up this tough, hard-headed wrestler who felt like he couldn't show emotion and I had to be that big tough male for my family because I, my, I was raised under a single mother. I was the man of our household. So, um, and I'm, I'm the oldest brother to four siblings. Uh, well, three siblings and a stepbrother. Um, so kind of painting the picture of being the male for them, but, I also don't think that men should be these people who shouldn't ever show emotion. And um, yeah, I, I just think a lot of men have this trouble with their mental health because they're never able to express, express their emotions and they always have to bottle it up until it just explodes. Um, and I feel like the man ego gets to me a lot too. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like bro <laughs> some someone like someone's like talking shit I'm like bro I'll beat your ass like yeah, <laughs> yeah like, it's, it's natural it's, can't, that's can't the first thing yeah I can't let that slide bro <laughs> and then I gotta think things through and I'm like all right put your man ego aside and realize this is stupid and childish so a lot of those things I really struggle with because what's always been portrayed as a man can be very conflicting in a lot of areas and harmful in a lot of ways. Um, but I do see that in the sense of a provider, I do think a, a true, but I think that isn't any good person too. I think any good person should be looking to help their family, help others. Um, so the whole, the whole man thing I do struggle with, but, uh, yeah, that's that's all I gotta yeah, say. It's that it's it's tough, man. That's a a, a tough question. 
And then I asked myself what it is to be a woman. I'm going to wait till we have a woman on here to like get deeper <laughs> right, in that. Yeah. Cause I really, that's when I was real, like real life lost. I'm like, uh, I don't I know. You got to be yeah, a girl. I, I don't know. I don't, yeah. yeah. I don't know. man. that was, it's just, you know, that was just something interesting that I thought about. So I just wanted y'all opinion on that, but we touched about both of y'all said the same thing. And I said the same thing as well about how to be a man, you can't be soft or emotional. Why, like, do you think That's our gener- society says, yeah. Do you think our generation is changing that? Or do you think our generation is almost too emotional? For me, I'll start. I'll say I do think our generation is changing that, but it is like as of late to me getting to the point where it's like some men are almost too emotional. I do agree that we do need to show more emotions. And I've seen that in myself because like I always want to be, you know, hard. I always want to, nah, I'm not, I don't got to do that. I don't got to do that. I don't feel no way. I don't care. I don't care. Nah, it's like it's you should want to show emotion sometimes, especially because if you build it up and hold it in you, I don't know if you guys have ever had this happen. But like if I get to the point where I'm just on the verge of exploding, I'll just sit in my car, bro. I, w- I, w- I don't want to say like drop in tears, but on the verge of crying. Cause, much, yeah, because yeah, everything is just you get to that point where you, you're burnt out and just life in general and you do have to be emotional. I feel like our generation, we should be more emotional, but it is getting to the point where it's like some dudes, it's almost like some dudes are almost worse, like worse than girls. So what do y'all think on that? Um, How do we go? Yeah, I do think um, even though you should be able to show your emotions too, you should be able to be in control of your emotions. Um, So a big thing is like, maintaining composure in a lot of situations you know you don't got to be crying about everything bro you figure out a way to solve it yep. you know get level your head out and problem solve like you know you don't got to break down at everything um so you know i do think i do kind of agree some of this generation doesn't know how to keep that level head and it's hard right now i'm not gonna lie it it's life is a lot different right now. Um, yeah. So I understand, but I do think a lot of people do have to learn to keep that composure and problem solve rather than reacting in the wrong way right away, you know? And right. You know, I, I kind of feel bad sometimes when I don't have as much emotion towards some things as me too. man. That's a scary part. Like, yeah, you become numb. Yep. You really do. Um, like not too long ago, my uncle Junie passed away, which I wasn't super close with him or anything. Uh, but I, like, I, I was unfazed, like, and I was like, should I be feeling some type of way or like, or has my like man ego just hard hell over me to where I'm bottling up, bottling it up and I can't realize it. And yeah, so it, I don't know. It's it's it, that whole man dilemma. It's tough. it's crazy. It's a tough topic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think how we touched on it a little bit. I feel like not not to say that everyone's more emotional, but I feel like there's more avenues available for like you to show your emotions than there was back then. I feel like it's becoming more acceptable to 
like do that and like you know i think we talked a little bit about uh counseling before yep, a little episode. bit uh but like counseling and, and services therapy and stuff like that like that's more available more readily available you know especially for these younger uh men coming up um that I would have never even thought of. And then I also feel like it has a lot to do with like parenting because just like the way like I was parented, like granted, like my mom, she, you know, cared for me. She did everything she could. You know, my grandma, they did everything they could, but they didn't really like say like, oh, if you're dealing with this, like you can talk to a counselor or you can talk to a therapist or, you know, we can get you help for this or whatever. And it's like some of the things I feel like they might not necessarily have been able to identify just based off of, you know, we've learned so much, like, you know, as, as time has passed, like just for example, like Brandon Marshall, you know, with him talking about all his uh, mental health and all the different things he's opened up, like that didn't come out until what, like 2013 or like 15 or something like that. Like all these new programs, all these new facilities and stuff for it. Like, that was never a thing when, like, I feel like when we were growing up. So, you know, it's almost like you don't even think twice about it. But, and then you were talking about, like, how your uncle passed and stuff. I feel like emotions, bro, like, the way they work is just crazy because, like, this guy at my church, uh, his name was Dan. It's an older white guy. He was just a real nice dude, like, stand-up dude. Like, you see him anywhere around DeKalb, anywhere around town. He'll say hi to you, you know, talk to you. It wasn't never no, you know, it was always good, always wishing you well. Everybody loved him. Dude died, and I cried, bro. Like, my mom told me I cried for this man. And it's like, I I could probably count the amount of times that I, like, had a conversation with him, like, maybe, like, seven times or something. But I cried, bro. So it's like, and it's like, how I don't know how I'm really supposed to deal with that, because it's like, you know, like, I've people have died in my family. People, my friends have died or whatever. And it's like, I didn't necessarily feel that same feeling like I did for him. So it's like, how am I supposed to navigate through that? You know, I feel like that would be something that's better suited for like a counselor or a therapist or somebody. So that's why I'm saying like now, like the the available resources that we have is much different than back then. So I think that's why you see more people that's like more in touch with the emotional side, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Marshall and like, He's like the epitome of a man, like a professional athlete. Yeah. Right. Who, who definitely a provider. He's got that money. Like, yeah, he's right, like right. six, six, two seventy. I'm bro. saying, dude, dude, huge, right. Yeah. It's he, yeah, he be on there something. But the most yeah, he do. He be he be acting real soft on it. I don't know if you ever seen his podcast, but me and Rodney watch it faithfully. It's it's a good podcast, but sometimes do be, you know, a little bit too emotional at times. It's <laughs> It's, I, I am athlete. Yeah, it's 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 very this situation is just like very tricky because you I feel like especially for me, I, I pick and choose when I want to be emotional when I don't. Like I, I can hide it well. I know <clears throat> we talked about this last episode about my cousin. Like when my, my cousin died, he got killed. And my like when my mom told me, no tears at all, you know. What I'm saying like I, I hung in there and I was like, dang, that's that's crazy. Wow. One of my room, bro, I like literally like fell to the ground and like started crying. But once I got past those tears, I came back out. I don't know what it is, but it's like I can't cry in front of women, especially when you need to be like strong. 
So I was right, out right, there. Right, right. I was out there. And like when I talked to my mom again, there was no tears at all. But then like fast forward to his funeral, uh, like all of my girl, I'm like the only like boy cousin at this time because two or three of them were in jail. So it's like all my girl cousins and then it's me. And we like in the front so we could see like the casket and the body. And I was looking up so I don't cry. Like I was trying to like look up and not think about it. And then like my uh, my girl cousin started crying and then all the girl cousins started crying and it just started just falling, man. Before you know it, I started bawling. <clears throat> and that moment though, that was probably to me person, that was like one of the weakest moments I ever felt. I was like, man, like I'm soft now. Like I'm, I'm I don't want to say I'm a pussy, but I was like, man, like I'm supposed to hang together for them and I'm over here crying with them sobbing. So I think it is hard to, really decide on when you should show your emotions as a man. I think that is something we do need to figure out. But like I said before, I think sometimes it's just over emotions, which is almost makes it harder to be emotional because you're like, dude, you doing too right. much. So, and then if I cry, it's like, now he going to say I'm doing too much. So I don't At the know. end of the day though, you a human. Yeah. You a human. We all got emotions. We all, you know, deal with pain, everything. So Hey, sometimes, you know, life happens and you can't control it. But I mean, that is going back to what Howie says, you know, there are times that you need to be in control of your emotions, you know. And like you were saying, like, like you, you hit it on the head talking about like when there's people around, that's when you were never told, like, you can't even now, nah, like, you know, you, like you, you get in a fight or something, you start crying, you got to hurry up and wipe it off. Like, <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> I can't let nobody see. Like, I got to hurry up and be good. And, you know, it does suck bottling things up. But if you're and, and, you know, to a degree, it sometimes it might be unhealthy. But if you're at the expense of your own emotions, you're bottling it up. So someone else feels better in those circumstances. I I think you're being a man right there. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, at at the funeral with my uncle Junie, like my great grandma, uh, she she was devastated. This is her brother um, that she's grown up with. And, you know, she she was really hurt. Um, and I'm sure she's thinking about it, too. Like, I, right. this could be me soon, too. Yeah. <laughs> so right. Just being strong there for her and um, maintaining my composure and showing that I'm here for her and uh, caring for her and. So yeah, See, I, that's I, why I felt weak though, because you, you you was able to hang in there, bro. Like I tried my best, and then out of nowhere, I'm just it all went down, bro. Waterfalls went down, bro. I'm o- almost leaning over, crying with them, bro. I felt like almost like less of a man, almost man. It's and not a bad thing either, though. It's, it's not, not, but but trying to figure out when you should and shouldn't do that is so hard, man. So so hard. And nobody wants to feel that feeling like, yeah, you know, just the feeling of like crying and being upset like that, like, because a lot of the like you say, you can't control it. So it's like, dang, like this, what what am I supposed to do with this? How do I navigate through this? Like, I'm uncontrollably crying right now and I can't stop. Like, what am I supposed to do with this? But that's why I feel like I'm not saying you should just go to counseling every time you cry or whatever. But like, if something traumatic's happening in, in your life, I feel like it wouldn't be wrong to get a second opinion by somebody that's trained to like deal with that type of thing, therapy, counseling, you know, vice versa. Cause everybody, and you know, 
you try to either hold it in or you might tell it to somebody that they don't they're not necessarily qualified to deal with that kind of situation and them emotions. So, yeah, they there for you, but they might not be telling you what you need to hear to you know help you to be better or, or move on through that. So. I'm, yeah. I'm with the counseling count. Yeah. yeah. Count, uh, counseling works, bro. Just back to like situation from last episode when I said like anytime somebody dies in my family, somebody goes to jail, blah, blah, blah. This is things that happens to me every single year. So I know like I do the same thing. I was just anytime somebody died or somebody went to jail, sex, 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 sex. I would just have sex with as many. I don't want to say as many people because I mean, some of the times it was like five, six times the same person. But it got to the right. point where it's like, there is clearly something wrong with me. And I went to counseling and I fixed it. But it was to the point where it's like, did I really fix it? Because nobody has died yet. So I don't know. Or nobody has went to jail. Right. Yet. But then uh, Get I, down. Was, I want to say this was in March or April. My uh, step grandpa died, which is like my grandpa. So that that hurt hard. Like I found that <clears throat> found out at work. And like I ended up leaving work early, but before like you know you got to come back to work and talk to your manager tell them what happened and leave of course but i just like i i, I left for like 10 minutes and i don't know if you guys well you you have been downtown i don't know if you guys know where the chicago stock exchange building is and the yeah, lake michigan so i walked from like there all the way to lake michigan bro just trying and wow. i came back i came back and like i told him i was like bro i gotta get up out of here so i explained to him what happened i ended up taking like two three days off in my head like driving home i'm like thinking like about sex. Like I'm thinking like, this is what I need to do to fix this. This is the only way. This is what I know, but I didn't that's do what it. makes you feel comfortable. Yeah, but I didn't do it. So that's how I know like counseling work, bro. I just, I just read, um, he left us, me, my stepdad and everybody else a book to read. He left us uh, a bunch of like scriptures and stuff. So I just read, that's it. Just read. That was my way. Think about him and to get over it instead of sex. So Counseling, I'm I'm with counseling, man. That's that's the real deal right there. Right. And that's the thing when you're you're bottling things up like that, bro. You handle it in ways you don't even think about it. Like, bro, you don't put sex together with your fucking yeah, somebody you dying. Would. It don't make sense. <laughs> like those are two completely different topics. And then you're like doing little things and taking things out on other people and you're not even realizing it, like you're in your own your own world and conscious and not even thinking about how you're reacting to different things or why you're doing it because you have bottled it up. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a dangerous game, bro. Being a man is dangerous, bro. That's, I, I don't want to say like, it's like the hardest thing. Cause I don't know what it's like to be a woman, but I know it's, it's, it's tough for it, it's us. Tough. Cause I, I it's know. Tough. Go ahead. It, 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 it's, I just feel like it's so tough because like, and I, and I still say when being a woman is hard, I would never be understand. Like, but I feel like it's tough in this regard because we're not allowed to like feel like you, we literally have to deal with everything and that's it. So it's like, you got to figure stuff out on your own. Cause like, maybe like, that's why like, I feel like, girls they say like oh like you know how can guys be friends for so long and all this other stuff or whatever because like me and you like we shoot the breeze all the time talk about stuff i'm never telling like the stuff we talk about i'm not telling my mom bro yeah like just being real like i'm not telling nobody else right like and there's and there's a whole bunch of stuff that i'm not even telling nobody 
But it's like, I feel like, in, and that's why we would need a woman on here for their perspective, but they're more prone to like, it's okay for them to feel. It's okay for them to get their emotions off. It's okay for them to, you know, navigate through that or whatever. It's, it's you know, it's part of them versus us where we're not really afforded that. If you do this, now you're weak. Now you're this. Now you, you know, now you looked at like this. I think, I, I think it also has to do with like, I think it's hard. You said it's hard to be a woman. I mean, yeah, I, I say so. I, I, I always say it's hard to be a man just based off one one thing. I, I know we're going to have a girl on the show. We can have this discussion, but expectations, you, you get expectations from a man and women. So, for example, if you do something crazy and you start crying, you soft to a man, you soft to a, a female. But if a girl started crying, you're not like we're not going to say you soft. A, a couple of girls might because they're they're tougher, but that would never come out of our mouth. It's a lot of things where it's both of us, both genders against the man rather than just both genders against a female. I, I can't really put my finger on something that a female would do that would be hated by both a male and a female. True. Thanks. But but think about it like this. It's easier for a man to get respect than women. That's women true. can do everything we do and still not get no respect. They getting paid less than us, like to this day. And it's like, don't be a minority on top of that. Don't talk. We, and then we got childbirth. Then we got like, you know, sexual stuff. So I feel like, and not to say that a man can't get raped, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But it's like, you know, I feel like it's just hard to be a woman because like we're seen as strong or whatever, but for a woman to be seen as strong, that's almost impossible. And then if you are seen as strong, then you're seen as manly and not desirable. Oh, I don't want her. She's too strong. What we be saying? Oh, shorty strong. She, you know, I don't, you don't, you don't want no that's true. girl that's bigger than you, that's swollen than you. Now, a lot of people don't care, but I'm saying like society as a whole, like that's frowned upon. You, you have to fit into a certain mold, you know, dainty little girl emotion you know she's emotional pretty you know, you know all that other stuff you know what i i actually think that i could agree with you just based off of what i watched the documentary and it was just talking about like black women and i watched like a podcast and they were talking about how like black women are supposed to be like super duper strong and like yep. and they were talking about and this is something i didn't know before um the podcast that i was watching they talked about like when black women go to um hospitals they're like the the doctors treat them like they they can deal with pain like they're stronger than everybody else so let's say for example a white woman is saying man like i'm hurting blah 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 like my baby is about to come out they'll get on that right away but for a black woman they'll be like oh you're fine because they 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 expect us to put up with more pain so you know what i i actually think you damn near right bro you changed my pain on that just like that you i had to you know really scope back from other stuff that I was watching. You're right on that, man. Appreciate that, you know. And you was talking about, what you talking about was like eugenics, basically. That's how they was doing us back in the day when they was uh, collecting uh, the body and like trying all them different, like with the diseases and all that different stuff. They was, uh, it's called eugenics. And I, it was something in that civil rights class, man, with Mr. Petrov, he had us watching some documentary and it was all about that eugenics. They had like the Negro skull and stuff like, but you know, that's a whole nother story, but <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I could change your mind. With, the, with that medical care system, like 
that just shows there's inequalities in literally every aspect of America that you would never think about. Like, bro, who would just say like someone can't get the same medical treatment as someone else? Like, that's the crazy. Right. Yeah, I I couldn't believe it when I heard it. Like when they said that literally and this wasn't just one black woman that said that this was multiple. And then I'm like, let me, let's stick. Yeah. I was like, let me just look this up just to confirm. And it's really out there that they treat black women differently because they think they can deal with pain a lot more. That's just sick, bro. Yeah, That that really is. That's really sick, bro. To me, like that's, that's out of line, bro. Like there's a lot of stuff you can do. Like I understand sometimes why a cop would be scared of a black person. I, I do. I, I get it. Cause you know, sometimes we be big, we be strong as hell to only be 12, 13. I'm not saying I agree with it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm not saying I agree with it, but like if, if you got, if you see a 12 to 13 year old, you 35 and white and dudes the same height as you built like this, like, all right, bro, I, I see, I see hey, why you got a problem. Back to, that goes back to, are you really a man? Because if you a man, you're not scared of no 12, 13 yeah. year old. I don't you care what he look like. Yeah, you supposed <laughs> to see him. That. That's fact. Come you're on now. To see him for that. That's that's true. You're supposed to see him, right? That's true. But what I'm saying is, like when you I when you, you no, I, no, you yeah, when you right. go into the hospital, you shouldn't really be scared of no no black woman. You shouldn't right. treat no black woman, no black men any differently. Because I mean, what advantage do they have over you in that moment? Like. For a cop, right. sometimes they think, oh, he's strong, bro. I don't care if he's 13. He might slam <laughs> me on my neck. But if you go to the hospital, this pregnant woman not about to put you on your neck. She not doing right. nothing. She, All she, she wants is help. She's in need. Yeah. That's just crazy to me, bro. I'm glad we actually brought that up, man. Real talk. If I seen a 12, see, if I seen a 12, 13-year-old and I'm a cop and, and that looked like Howie, then I might have to. <laughs> I might have to pull that one too. <laughs> You're a fool. Oh no! All right, fellas, oh, man, we we like and oh, I think I we like an hour. Wanted, in. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. One thing I did want to mention uh, that popped into my mind earlier too was um, Rodney was talking about how he can tell some of his boys some things that he can't even tell his mom and. That, that made me think about like how important it is as a man to have those couple good friends that you can be vulnerable to. Um, Cause you know, just bottling everything up and not having anywhere to go with it, having those couple friends that, you know, you can go to and they won't call you a bitch for having feelings. Right. Basically. No, that's, that's, that's facts. And then, cause you, you do have those, those type of friends where, like I would say, for example, me, you, uh, I would say Vince, you could we could talk to each other and you know, really say some stuff that probably would be emotional to other people. But yeah, it's better than I don't want to say that person's name or the other person that you should be our friend, but it's better than like bottling it up and then trying to take it out on everybody and you don't even know what you're taking right. it out on us for. So I do think that is important to have like a couple of friends where you can just get it out. Because if I couldn't get out some of the anger and frustration I have sometimes, yeah, you might take it out on your friend. Because in that moment, he might say something or play around at the wrong right. time. So, right, I agree. Yeah, and this is a good conversation, bro. We are uh, probably, fellas, we looking like we like an hour in already. So let's get to wrapping this bad boy up. We always uh, end every conversation with um, advice. <clears throat> 
So, Howie, I'll let you go first. What advice do you have? Yeah, uh, bringing it back to reflecting a lot of what you do in your day around things you can be proud of. Um, I feel like when you're spending more time doing things you can be proud of, and these can be things you can enjoy too. Like, bro, I, I enjoy weightlifting, but it's bettering me as a person too. Yep. It's it's really brought my confidence to a whole nother level. Um, it's made me feel better mentally and physically. Uh, and it, it just, it, it pours into every aspect of your life, your career, you know, uh, you know, enjoying your vacations, like you're going to enjoy your vacation more if you're feeling better physically and mentally, you know, every little aspect you would never think of, like, bro, I don't think that would do anything for my vacation, working hard and then talking about a vacation, like those are two different things, but no, right. like, it, it it really pours into every aspect of your life, um, doing those things you can be proud of and, um, yeah, spend more time on those productive things. I agree, man. Rodney, what you, what you got for us, man? All right. So last episode, I think I talked about being transparent, which was really just being, uh, honest with yourself, um, in all scenarios and, um, really just being true to yourself. But this time I'm going to talk about accountability. So that kind of goes hand in hand in a sense. So it's really like, all right, so now I know what it is that I'm, you know, whatever it is I'm dealing with, it's out in the open, I'm real. But now it's like, all right, what am I going to do to make that better? What am I going to do to to change this? So it's like, like how he really said, like the little things, you know, and it's like, you know, you want to better your, if you want to better yourself, you really want to just like focus on things that make you happy, like things that, you know, like you might not like it in that moment, but ultimately it's going to propel you to your goal. So really just like be like doing your due diligence, whether that be like researching, like, let's say like, Oh, I want to eat better. All right. Am I going to go and look up like the nutrition? Like what, what should I be eating? How should I cook this? You know, go to going to the store, setting, setting like the schedule to go to the store to cook. You know, really just actually like going out and doing the legwork, you know, because a lot of people talk about doing this and have all these goals, all these New Year's resolutions, all this other BS. But it's like, are you really going to be real with yourself? Are you going to really be accountable, hold yourself accountable? You know, what are you going to take away from yourself if you're not doing that? Let's say like, oh, I'm trying to go to the gym or whatever. And I say, I'm going to go to the gym four days this week and I only go one day. All right. Well, some got to give then. Obviously, that means that my time was wasted on doing something else that it wasn't, you know, allocated to doing that. So what am I going to do the next week or the next month to get me to where I want to go? I have to take away something. That's called being accountable. You know, you got to actually like that boy put in the work, over there. <laughs> you know, so and it's trial and error. You know, it's really trial and error. But that's I feel like just get in tune with yourself and that'll help you like the long, you know, in the long run. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people, when things don't go the way they expect, they sit around and mope about it rather than problem solving. Like for everything you do, there's a lot more you could be doing that you wouldn't even think about. So you got to take that time to sit down and problem solve and see what's going to work. And like you said, the trial and error. That's I'll just jump on that real quick. That's not my advice, but I like what you said. And just to jump on it a little bit, what I do for myself, like if I do something, I get disappointed in myself a lot just because I hold myself to a high standard. So when I do something wrong, 
I always say, I'm like, bro, what did you not do that got you here? Because it's something you didn't do that you knew you were supposed right. to do to get here. So I like how you said uh, you went to the gym four times a week and you're supposed to go five or six. I know you didn't say you said one. To right, four, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, this, what, what are you going to hold yourself accountable for? Like, what are you going to take away from yourself in order to make sure you get there? So that's how I think about it, too. It's just at the end of the day, anytime I do something or I'm disappointed, it's just what did you not do? So that's what's up. <clears throat> My advice would be not to hold on. And I feel like this is a good example today because something happened to me at work and I was going to hold on, bro. I'm not going to lie. Like I, this, this uh, talk helped like just for us to like talk about a lot of other stuff, just not to hold on. Usually I give myself two to three hours to hold on to something. Like if somebody says something stupid, it just like made me mad or made me hot. Right. Two or three hours. I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to be mad about it. But after that, I got to release it. Cause if I don't, I'm going to have a bad day the next day. I'm going to have a bad day the day after that, the day after that, because it's going to keep being on my mind. And I'm going to, I'm going to, instead of, for example, if I held on to this, I mean, what happened today, I wouldn't have did the podcast. I would just be like, bro, I'm not feeling it today. I'm in, a, I'm in a bad mood, bro. Right, 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 tomorrow. Yeah. But I let go of it as soon, as soon as bro hopped on the camera and then you hopped on the camera, it's like, it don't matter no more to me. It really not that important. So just let go of stuff. Don't hold on. That's my advice. That's great advice, man, because honestly, like, I feel like it takes a lot for you. It, it feels it's a lot of experience, really, of just noticing, like, those things that could, like, change, like, everything. So, like, you saying, like, holding on, like, that literally could have changed the whole outcome of the day. Like, we would have maybe not did a podcast. Maybe Howie couldn't do the podcast next week or whatever. Like, we might not have ever got this episode. Yep. So, it's, like, really, like, you know, honing in on that. So, that's great advice. All right, my brothers, man. That was that was a, that, that was a damn good episode. That's a good episode. It's been real. Yeah, I got a piss though, so we gonna. Uh, I'm gonna let y'all go. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate you, Howie, man. Hey, I appreciate chopping it up with you guys. You know, uh, the nice thing about this is like learning from you guys too. Like learning from your guys' experiences, your guys' perspective. It was awesome. I yeah, appreciate it. Was a good time, man. All right, fellas.